Welcome to episode 26. How are you? Has anybody asked you that in a while? I know that I'm just a one-sided question asker in this podcast episode, but I genuinely hope that this episode finds you healthy. Maybe you're having a mental shit day. Totally with you on that. I've been kind of riding the roller coaster of uh, my mental state these last eight months with you. So you're not alone. Just know that, right? I think that makes me feel better in times of despair where I'm like, shit, this is awful. I'm sick of this. Feels good just to say that out loud. Why don't we all do that together, right? I won't hear you, but you'll hear me with you. Count of three. We're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna yell, I'm sick of this. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm sick of this. Ah, take a deep breath. <sighs> Feels good. At least for right now. I promise that after this episode, you will feel better. You'll probably have your hair will be like. You know the guy who's he's in that recliner and his, he has a tie on and his hair is like flapping in the wind because there's so much sound coming out of the speaker, so much energy. That's essentially what this episode is going to be like for you, okay? It is an electrifying conversation with Donnie Fandango. He is the host of Middays at 105.7 The Point as well as Afternoon Drive at 106.5 The Arch. I have worked with Donnie since 2008. He's one of my favorite air personalities ever in time on the radio and he's one of my favorite friends that I met through the radio here uh, over these last 12 years. He really is a genuine, great friend and human. And uh, he obliged sitting down with me and getting vulnerable, which I completely love him for. So you're going to notice a couple of things. First of all, uh, Donnie is layered and complicated. And I mean that in the most complimentary of fashions. I think some of the best people on the planet are complicated and layered. I would like to say that um, most of the people I attribute myself with in my life are. And I think you're going to learn so much about Donnie. Maybe if you've listened to his show religiously over time, you're going to learn even more about him than you ever have. And I really appreciate his his uh, honesty. Great conversation. There's a spoiler alert here. Uh, we will have to do a two-part to Donnie because honestly, an hour was not enough time to encapsulate him. And I think that speaks volumes of his human. So enjoy the ride you're about ready to go on. Hold on tight. Because here we go with my good friend, Donnie Fandango. You gotta live and learn. I am so happy that you obliged to do this because you have been somebody that I've wanted to have on the podcast for like, it's, it's been a podcast for over a year now. Right. Um, and I want to say that you were one of my like top three people that I'm like, I need to get Donnie on the podcast. And then here we are 26 (laughs) plus episodes later and here is your cameo. So I'm so happy to have you. Hey man, this is, this is kind of how I like to view myself in this building. Uh, I like to be able to do a lot of things and people can call on me when they need me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, so, uh, so regardless, I'm just happy to be here, man. And you know, I think the absolute world to you. So I'm, yeah. I'm honored to be here as well. This is going to be also like my demo. So whenever uh, Tommy Mattern's like, hey, we need a new show for like whatever the hell that will be. I'm going to be like, uh, check this episode out of Donnie and I and the uh, high voltage energy that's happening. Um, we that's would be also a, a dream. We would be, we would be an intense 
amount of enthusiasm in the morning. Seriously. An intense amount of enthusiasm. Too much. <laughs> like like people, people would either really be like, oh my God, this fuels me, or I really just can't take this that early yeah, in the morning. Like they're going to be like pushing us with their foot like on the radio. Right. Could you imagine? Well, um, I have told you this story before, but I've never talked about it on this podcast. And only like a couple of my childhood friends know this as well. But I have a video and I tell you this like once a year where I'm like, I'm going to get this video at my mom's house. It is a one of those mini cassettes when like camcorders were trying to be like high tech and cool. They they miniaturize the video cassette. You remember yes. this? Oh, okay. yeah. My mom had one of those cameras and I would take that camera like all over and I have a I have me doing your opener to your I think it was your it had to have been your morning show. No, or that would have been the night show would have been with, the, night with show. the intro. Yes. yes. Where it was like, I want my Donnie Fandango. Yeah. I did that word for word as a however old kid I was because um, I loved you. I, I loved that opener and I didn't know anything about you at that time. I just knew that I liked your energy, the sound of that guy's voice, playing the best music. I thought you were cool. All this stuff still adds up today, by the way. Thank you. Um, but I, you were, for me, on the point, probably my first favorite jock over wow. there. That's awesome. It's really weird, man. Like, uh, I don't accept those kinds of compliments very well. And it's not because I'm not genuinely uh, appreciative of them. Right. It's just that, it, it, I don't know, man. It's 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 just weird. I, it, because, man, like, you know, I think a good example would be working with Close and working with you, man. And, and like, those guys. Like, I just... Uh, you know, man, I just hold them in, in very high regard. So, I, you know, man, it's it's just it's a weird thing to have the microphone turned back on me, even though I do not mind talking about myself. No, no, no I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. But the intro was awesome. Let me tell you about that real yeah. quick, because that our current boss, Marty Link, mm -hmm. put that together. He used to be our imaging no director way. at the point. Yes. And so uh, at that time, we'd had a program director named Alan Fee, and uh, he loved my energy. And he was like... We're going to come up with some kind of intro for you. Uh, do you have anything that, that you want? And at that time, punk rock 20-year-old Donnie or 25-year-old Donnie was like, intro. That's bull. I don't need that. <laughs> so the day that the Warp Tour was at Booter Park in Fenton, and I knew this might be I wasn't before here you. Yet. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so that particular day, I saw Bad Religion, Save Ferris, MXPX, uh, interviewed Bad Religion, saw Deftones. Mm. Um, it was an amazing day. But I had to leave early because I was on at 7. And so normally I get to the station well in advance, you know, already there probably early afternoon, pr you know, prep everything. But that night, man, it was literally walking in at 7 o'clock to do the show. And I had not heard that intro. I hadn't heard it yet, but they had told me it was there. So they had programmed it and this thing starts. And I was like, I don't know who this is for, but this is freaking awesome. <laughs> and, and so it, it ended up, you know, it's something that, that people, you know, will still mention. And the, the big bummer is that we just, Marty had it on a dat and the dat lost whatever it lost. <gasps> and so there's, there's not another copy of it. Are you kidding? No, no. I mean, I haven't heard the whole thing in its entirety 
in a while. And I've even found, because my, my parents are getting ready to, to move, and I've even found a couple of old air check tapes, which, whew, boy, that was alarming. Mm. And, and the hopes, you know, that, that it would be on there somewhere. But no, it's, it's just me doing terrible radio. I bet there's some psycho listener out there that has a copy of an air, of an hour of time or something where that intro, what, like what year did that come out? What oh, year was that? Gosh. Like 96? It would. I think it would have been 96, 97. Yeah. It's, I think, well, it probably had to be 97, 98, because I know I was older than, I started at the point just shy of my 20th birthday, okay. which would have been, uh, I'm sorry, just shy of my 21st birthday uh, in 1996, in late 1996. So I would think that would have probably been 97 or 98. That would make sense with me then, too, because I moved to the St. Louis area around that time. Yeah. So that's how I, I mean, that. I, I remember hitting St. Louis, like we lived downtown on 11th Street while our house is getting built um, over on the metro metro east side of Illinois. Um, and so I lived downtown and I would like tune into the point because I, I mean, a huge 90s grunge alternative chick growing up. And then um, I guess I would hit your show right as it was coming on because I would hear that and then I'd listen to you and your entire show. And um, so, yeah, that makes that makes sense as far as date range. It, it, it was pretty crazy, though, at that time, because not only did I not want the intro, but it was the first real taste that I had had at that time. That radio was definitely changing from when I had even started a few years before. And, you know, our, our program director at that time had come from Top 40, which to me was freaking blasphemy. Yeah. You know, that we're going to have a freaking <laughs> Top 40 guy running yeah. my station. Um, and he was real tough, man. It was That was the first program director that it was really rough for me to work for. But just like everything else, man, you you learn, you know, man, if you, if you, if you listen – and and you 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 keep your mouth quiet, which for me is tough to do from time to time. But you know you can learn even from 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 people who you don't necessarily ideally love. Sure. And so there's there's that was definitely a big learning curve. But yeah, man, that uh, one of these days I got to find that intro. Got to. You have to, and I would love to hear it as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going back to how you talk about how Mark Close and John Ulid are on a pedestal for you, I always like to think about. I've always said this to people that we work with. You, to me, over at the point are like the John Hewlett Takeshi. So, like, what you know about music and your history with the radio station, I just think is a comfort that your voice is. I think that that is very similar to how John is on Keishi. And then if I had to pick somebody at the point to be Mark Close, I guess it would be Burton because he's old. <laughs> well, I tell you, but I tell you, what, I think the big part for those guys to me um, – and you, man, especially, was that you can do this job, you can have this career, you can be well-known in the area, and you can still not be an a-hole. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You can be a genuinely good human being. Yeah. And uh, and I just... I took that from John very early on after the the, the merger between Sinclair and uh, and Emmis when I was first you know introduced to him. He was just always so unbelievably nice and just had good things to say. He still asks about my kids I know. and doesn't just ask to ask. Yeah, ask yeah. because he genuinely cares. Right. And um, unfortunately, uh, and I don't mean to say this to sound rude. I know it's gonna, but that's all right. I don't like a lot of radio people. I I, 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 I don't. It, it's a lot of ego. A lot of ego. I don't want to get into a room with a bunch of people and have a huge pissing contest about who could be the loudest and the funniest or the, I don't like that. Yeah. You know, and you know what, as a matter of fact, you know, you've been over to my house and it's never, 
It is the farthest thing from that. And so, like, just seeing those guys and how they behaved and how they carried themselves, I just always wanted to be one of those guys um, that, you know, that 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 didn't turn into an a-hole in the building just because, you know, you get notoriety or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard uh, balance, I think. Because I always think that, like, radio disc jockeys, we're like the Hoosierific Hoosiers of fame. Like, people are like, oh, you're famous. It's like, no. Yeah. I would say I'm a public figure of sorts. Like, that's as probably as sophisticated as our title will get. Yeah. But I'm an I'm a radio host. Like, I host a show. It's about the music. It's about spawning um, something, you know, evoking some sort of emotion. Sometimes it can be negative out of an audience. I don't necessarily look at this as something that's happening to me, mm-hmm. even though I'm a carrier of the quality and of the entertainment, I guess. Yeah. You're a host. And so... Um, I'm totally with you 100%. And I've always been in awe of people like Howard Stern, who has been able to be a catalyst of this industry, remain in, with his integrity, and completely ride that wave and uh, and control it. Because I don't know, like I sit here and go, I would love to be a millionaire with a syndicated radio program that the masses of all kinds here. But I feel like that wave is gone. Like, I, you know, unless you have a really great podcast yeah. or you're on, I guess, something that reaches, you know, the every everybody. But, um, yeah, I, I've always been in awe of Howard Stern, obviously. But even people like John, who they've been able to captivate an audience for 50 years. I mean, especially John. He's an anomaly. I don't know anybody else. I don't think there is another radio personality that has stayed on one radio station for the entire duration of their career. Yeah, and especially now, man. I mean, especially yeah. now. And I, I think, you know, not only, I just seen so many dudes that I was just like, man, I do not want to be like that. And I think Stern, not only is he an amazing broadcaster and the best interviewer uh, at ever. all, but yeah. let's also, now listen, this is not really a but, but like when you go to sit into Howard's studio, you know you're about to open up and he's about to ask you all of the things that you won't answer to yes. anybody else. Yes. So so he has that luxury that you and I cannot be afforded. We do not have that. <laughs> that being said, I think the evolution of Howard Stern as a man and as a human uh, has been incredibly remarkable and I think that that more than anything else has been a way to show man like like Donnie at 20 was different than Donnie at 30 and Donnie at 40 is you know and like like man you got to keep growing and Mm -hmm. and seeing a guy like that (laughs) grow and and you see the depths of the human there that's one of the things that I appreciate about that guy so much and and I think you know man I think it, it gives us all something to strive for and also too you know, whether he's doing the show three days a week or five days a week, that dude is crushing it. That show is great. Yep. And and so I just all the respect in in, in the in the world. And, you know, man, I just want to, you know, man, I just want to be an, a good dude. You know, I want when people have had an interaction with me for it to be a good one. And it will be as long as you're not a jackal. Right. And then if you are, well, then we'll have we'll another have to, conversation. We'll have to deal with that at Monster Jam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. I totally forgot. What do you think that guy was on that day? Oh, man. Well, let's tell this story because this is actually like a great story. And actually shows that I am not just this terrible human with this temper that just lashes out all the time. But might I say that you that day I learned more about you as a friend because I so let's set the scene. So you and I got picked as two different representatives from our respective radio stations to be VIP in quotes judges for Monster Jam at the Edward Jones Dome. Sure. 
And you and I are really excited because we don't ever really get to hang out. So Tim and I are there. Uh, you brought your two kids, right? Uh, two of your three, and um, we're all kind of sitting together eventually in like a line, you know, to judge these massive, awesome monster trucks. And so Tim and I, I, I don't remember how like we, I guess we were, we got there and we got to our like seats, and Tim and I were seated behind a girl a guy and another guy and one of the guys was completely just hammered drunk at this point possibly on drugs too um and so he kept turning around and I'm blonde and so he kept turning around talking to me and Tim is used to this crap and I think he was one of the winners right he was one yeah, of the I think point so. winners because yeah. we, we had all sorts of Casey and point winners that were sitting around us and so he kept turning around talking to me and I was obliging him to a certain degree but then it started to turn kind of like you know, inappropriate, uh, talking about my appearance and stuff, just sexually fueled things. And so anyway, and he, and he was like, where's Donnie at? And he was getting all aggravated. And you, you, I don't know where, I think you were there, but you were walking around with your kids and enjoying yourself. Sure. And so I'm like, he'll be here soon. Like he's going to be here. And, um, anyway, uh, (laughs) this guy, said something to me and then I completely just shut down because I was going to lose it. And then Tim noticed my body language change and he put his hand on the guy and was like, Hey, you know, talk to my, that's talk to her like a lady, you know? And this guy's like, get your fucking hand off of me. And then Tim was, didn't and like got in anyway, security had to get involved. That was like the first time. Yep. Then you show up. If you'd like to take it, I don't know if you remember, like, from your perspective. I don't remember the particulars, except for the second that this guy starts talking to me, he is just slurring nasty everything. Yes. I mean, and at one point, he definitely called me the F and P word, and I was like, okay, man, like... And I'm and, and I'm trying to hold it in because not only there's winners there, I've got my kids with us, <laughs> right. or with me, you know, like, so I don't... And it was like a Fox Sports, like... Uh, sponsored deals, so like I don't want to mess up the client or any of that mm-hmm. stuff, man. So I just tried to be as patient as I could. Right. And I remember at one point, I, I don't even remember what I said to him, <laughs> but I mean, I got, I ended up getting him tossed. Yeah. I, I mean, we we ended up we getting had to him get tossed. Security. Yeah. Because it was it was to the point. That was as close, I think, man, as I've ever come to punching somebody in in well, public. <laughs> let me tell you from my perspective. So, because like the first act was him talking to me and then Tim having to intervene and, you know, diffuse. Then it was security getting involved and his, his, the female that was with him was his cousin and she was completely embarrassed. She's yep. like, I'm so sorry. And then security came or like, it was like, sir, you need to calm down. And then, um, you and I, I think, so you and, um, Ava and Dexter were in the front and I said, Hey, cause you had to like do something where you had to talk to somebody on camera. Sure. And I said, Hey, I'll sit with your kids while you do that thing real fast. And so I'm sitting with Dexter and Ava, who I'd met a couple of times before. And they're so cute sitting with them. And I'm watching you like, you're probably 40 people down like the line from us. And I see you interacting with the drunk, drugged out guy. And all of a sudden security does have to come and get him out of there. And I think some people actually like clapped behind because yeah. it was just becoming like this complete nuisance. Yeah, everybody people. knew that that he was the issue, man. <laughs> it was just it was just so crazy. And what also what I remember too about that night, and not to like trash Monster Jam, but I thought that this was like uh 
um, you know, like demolition derby stuff. Oh, okay. So I thought the trucks were going to be smashing, smashing into, into stuff it. and fires. Right. And, and they're just like jumping little hills and stuff. Right. Some of them so, do like roll out, though, and get like kind of insane. Sure. But then they also told us we were supposed to be there for two hours. And then we ended up having to stay for like five. Yeah, we were so, there. So, dude, so <laughs> there was a lot folded into this one Monster Jam experience. But it's just like, I just remember, too, though, asking Tim after the fact, like, hey, man, like, like, did I do okay? You know, because I, you know, I mean, you just, yeah, you want to know from an I just, outsider. I, and, and I'm, I, I'm not trying to lose it on this guy, but man, that was just, oh God, oh, that was crazy. It was so bad. And I mean, like Tim, my husband is like the most even keeled oh, human yeah. on the planet. It takes a lot to rile him up. And he was, I could tell just in his demeanor, he was starting to, he was get, he was being my husband. Like he was defensive for me because like I was completely uncomfortable. Like I, this guy said something completely inappropriate and um, I was just like, I just shut down because I, I knew I would also lash out. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, going back to Howard Stern and just his evolution into his legacy, you know, I, a lot of what Howard has gone through is psychotherapy. Uh-huh. And he's very open about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like everybody in this business either has had a therapist or is actively in therapy. Yeah. I mean, do you think that there's some correlation with allowing with getting paid to be yourself in a profession where we are? laid out to the public because it's just how the end you know the shitty end of the stick goes people love us and that's amazing when that happens but also on the other side of that you have people that absolutely hate you for no reason yeah it is such a psychological toll that it takes on us because we're human just like everybody else and and i know you and i've talked off the air and and just in the hallways about things that come up i mean what's been your experience with having to endure really mean people yeah I, I had a guy right before we moved out of the MS building that was making up Twitter accounts so that he could troll me and call my kids bastards because oh Mary God. and I aren't married. And he um and he left a couple of voicemails back at the old building as well. Um and I appreciate the people that that stuff doesn't bother. Like if you can be Teflon Don and let it roll off you. <laughs> right. Man, good on you. But I think that that's a real small percentage of us. And I think, though, the poison that has been Twitter over the last year has gotten me to the point, finally, where I can take some of it, mute them or block them, and move on and not have a bad day about it. Right. But um, it's real tough because people get very personal, you know, and, and will say things about you know about about the kids or about mary or whatever i mean not really about mary but like you know we'll just try to say mean stuff because they know that i can get fired up and i think that you know finally i've gotten a bit better about it not letting it it, it bug me as much but it still does man and I, and i honestly think i think this about it about people in general not just people in our business but our business especially especially right now i can't imagine doing this job and not having a therapist i just <laughs> I, dude, I just can't right. imagine it man yeah. like like it is it's a, dude, we are so lucky to have this job but i feel like sometimes uh, we're holding on to that building and our fingers are slowly <laughs> yeah. slipping off the ledge right. And you're doing everything you can to hang on, yeah. but man, sometimes it'll just get you. And and so uh, it has been amazingly therapeutic um, 
to not only go to therapy, but 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 for that to be a a regular routine part of uh, of my life and and being on medicine and 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 doing that sort of thing, man. Because we're all wired differently, and the way that I'm wired, I need that stuff. Yeah, you know, I just do. Yeah. And and there's not a damn thing wrong with it. And for a long time, I think that the, obviously there was that, that that misconception that that those things were an issue and that dudes couldn't do that sort of thing. A long time ago, uh, you know, my dad went to see a therapist after my brother was having some troubles and you know my dad breaking it down to me about why it was so good for him and all of this stuff and my dad is not the kind of guy that would normally do that and so it just really changed my my perception and then also too you know that feeling when you leave like it feels like the band-aids got ripped off sometimes in a bad way but ultimately it really helps flush some of that crap oh, yeah. out man yeah and, and help you uh, feel better. So, you know, man, I, like I said at the beginning, I, I really learn I just want to evolve as, continue to evolve as a human. Uh, you know, like like more than anything else. I'm always going to be me. I'm always going to be, you know, Mach 10 with my balls on fire. Like that's just <laughs> kind of how I operate, you know? But I, I want to I, I make sure that, that I'm growing, you know, man? And right. I feel like for a while there, I don't think maybe that I was or I, I didn't realize how important that it was. And, and so uh, just all of those things, I think, kind of factor in. I think it's great how you express yourself on social media. And I'm kind of like a stickler. Like, I think sometimes just public figures in general can allow too much to come out. Sure. And I'm kind of judgmental. And I, and I don't mean to be, but I like, I want to say 99. 9% of any time that you are speaking openly and honestly from your soul about something that's happened just in your day or if it's some guy or some girl driving you nuts on Twitter or something that happens like like late, lately it's been a lot like uh, Kerber just got called out too about this about people wearing their masks. Yeah. Such a timely topical issue where I think people with platforms, smart people with platforms, are on the right side of history when they are um, telling their audience to, hey, wear a mask, think of others. Literally, that's all you're saying, and people jump on it and can be so ruthless and terrible about literally just people giving a shit about uh, other people. Yeah. And so you've never been wrong to ever say anything that you've said regarding that type of stance or anything. And so whenever I see, how people react and then if you are open and honest about it and just giving people a point of view of how nasty people can be to you. Um, I, I mean, I I love that. I love yeah. that you, uh, Chris Kerber just did a write-up or he did something on his show where he was talking about it openly before Blues game and um, I just could not support it enough where, you know, it's I'm sick of people in um, – public figures in general, people on TV that maybe do the news or if you have a show that's about music or anything, they forget that, oh, it's not just so you're not a one trick pony. You don't you care about all this other stuff that's happening, too. And I think it's time for the, the glass ceiling to really be broken up to show more of a human side of who people are listening to. Yeah, well, the, the, I started to get hate about that mask thing because I talked about it on the air and I broke it down. I mean, just like any of us would. My dad is 72. Mm -hmm. My mom is 69. My dad is a big fella. My mom is not the most fit person. COVID would kill them. Yeah. Period. Right. Period. And that's my mom's and dad's. Yeah. And you know what? How my how my brain works and how my heart works, I don't want anybody's moms and dads to die if they Hell don't no. freaking have to. No, yeah. Not from you. Not from something you would no, do. No, right. man. And, and, and so I was, I was not floored because, unfortunately, I expected it. Yeah, yeah. 
But learn, I'm still getting people that are commenting on that post two weeks after the fact, three weeks after the fact. And a lot of the people are not anyone that's followed me. They legitimately just want to chirp in and try to to, to, to start the the fight. And before, I think a couple years ago, I would have taken them all on just to try to make them look stupid or something. And now the mute button is a beautiful thing because they don't know that they're blocked. So they They are just just screaming into the (laughs) infinite their bullshit. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. And so... It's uh, it's unfortunate, but man, I, I I am just determined to not let the handful of shitbags out there take over for the amazing people that listen to us Good. and talk to us. You know, like a girl, and I wish I would have brought it in, but I've got it on my desk. A girl a couple of weeks ago, out of nowhere, no idea who she was, cross-stitched a little plaque Aww. or a little thing of me, and it says Donnie fucking Fandango on it. You know, Amazing. and like, and a little cross stitch thing, and it is, it was so sweet. She wrapped it up in a little thing and said, Risho always gets all the attention. I just want to let you know that you have love too. I love her. Dude, are you freaking kidding me with that? Yes. Yeah, like, so, so when I start to overly bitch about Jimmy Douchebag, yeah. I really got to pull the reins back because really, truly, that 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 vocal minority, man, yeah. they just amplify and amplify with their bullshit, but they are just that, the minority. And and so that's, I just try to keep and it's that in all, my head. It's all, um, it all goes back to caveman brain. When people are exuding um, danger or something that's not like as comfortable or as lovely as a nice thing, our brains, our caveman brains, are are generated to be like okay this is danger is this a threat is this something and that's why we get stuck on it that's why when you hear negative things they always seem to be more vibrant than the beautiful things that you may hear because i i'm somebody too where i'm like i have to stop i have to shift my focus back onto how much loveliness there is in my day rather than the jag bags who are again making the multiple accounts acting like psychos yeah you know and it's really on them because to be honest like I, I, I i think about this a lot I'm going to continue to ride the history wave of being on the right side of what I think history is. I'm, you know, being as anti-racist as I can, making sure that, you know, and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm not a perfect person by any means, but like with this mask wearing thing with, you know, making sure I interact with people I trust and not just out there flimsing about with everybody. Like I'm trying to do the best I can for the line I'm walking into life and in my legacy of being on air, but also as being myself and it's like, you know what, I, I really am am over the whole idea of letting other people's thoughts outspeak my thoughts. It's and tough though, man. It is. Because once the because once that son of a bitch gets cramped out in your brain or camped <laughs> yeah. out in your brain, boy, they're there. <laughs> yeah. And you and you and you and you and you you're and you know in your head you're wasting your time and your energy and your efforts. You know, but but it's it's just kind of a a, a retraining the the brain thing, man. But you know, I just Kind of going back to what we started with, man, and I know that you know this, we are so unbelievably lucky to get to still do this in 2020 yeah. that when somebody bitches at me, I used to always throw it under one bitch umbrella. <laughs> but now, you know, like if somebody, like the other day, I front sold a Deftones record as the Deftones mm-hmm. and somebody tweeted at me, it wasn't being particularly very nice, but he tweeted at me, it's not the Deftones, it's Deftones. I'd figure you'd get it right or something. And normally I would have snapped back with something shitty back in the day. But dude's right. Dude's yeah. right. It's Deftones, not the Deftones. So I made a crack on myself. He laughed. 
Boom. Boom. It doesn't turn into a thing. I would let it turn into a thing sure. before. I'm trying not to be so dumb. I think trying. you're not dumb at all. And I think that you are doing such a, that, that's not just a service to yourself, but a service to others. Because I think in this day and age where everything is behind a screen and everybody's a keyboard warrior, I think leading by example and having poise and respect for yourself enough to not let it get to a place where it's going to blow up to be this thing. Sure. It just shows such a level of grace and maturity on your front. And hopefully that guy realizes, oh, if I ever correct somebody and it doesn't go this way, then, you know, maybe there's something on me that I need to maybe stop being such a nitpicker. This coming from like one of the biggest Deftones fans ever. Right. Right. um, Right. But I'm just saying that like sometimes, man, in that (laughs) complaint, there might be a little something, a little truth in there mm-hmm. that maybe it's something that I need to work on. Maybe it's yeah. something we need to work on. Absolutely. You know, and, and obviously the, the the delivery is an issue sometimes, but, <laughs> but you know, man, sometimes it's true. Now, if you're just going to, you know, tweet in to be a jackass, well, then we're Dunsville Station. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we, we I, I've seen that infrequently. I've seen that a bit more infrequently outside of the mask thing lately, but I don't know if it's because I've got all of them muted and blocked already. <laughs> I don't know. That could be it, too. <laughs> Thousands of accounts. <laughs> Let's shift into something happy. Because yep. I, I, I love that you are a dad. You're such a great dad, by the way. Uh, I'm working on it. You are. You And you're a girl dad. You're a boy dad. Two boys, one girl. Um, You know, I, your kids, every time I've interacted with them, sweetest can be cooler like millennia cooler than any other kids I've probably ever met these kids because of their music knowledge, all the movies that they love, like just, I don't know, little references, like their humor and their style and stuff. Like I just take note of that with all of the people I know that have kids. I'm like, how are these kids raising up? Are they going to be like, you know, like the cool kids on the block, you know, are they going to be watching cult classics when they're, you know, in their teens? Um, And, you know, how is it having kids like do they listen to you on the radio benjamin's a bit older like does he follow you on social media like what is that interaction to be like to be a dad who's a radio disc jockey who also is on social media it's it's um it's different um it makes me afraid when i see bendo on twitter especially um because i'm afraid that people will find out that he's my kiddo and Mm. that they'll give him shit um uh, which will make me want to murder them. Sure, um, but it's really it's 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 very different. Um, Dexter, who's so I have three. I have a twenty year old Benjamin uh, from a previous marriage, and then I have uh, two kiddos uh, with my current uh, uh, lover, uh, Mary. <laughs> and uh, she might as well be my wife because I love her like one. But <laughs> but my Ava is twelve, my Dexter is ten, and about to be eleven. And um, you know, Benjamin, I I think appreciates it but doesn't really talk about it as much. But that kid has never sat in the lawn at a show ever at the amphitheater. (laughs) So as far as I go, he has nothing to bitch about as far as me and my job goes. But no, I mean, I think that it's been cool and and it's been, you know, giving them opportunities. Um, I don't know how they talk about it. And that's something that worries me a little bit. Um, What do you mean how they talk about it? Well, like, I don't want, for instance, I worry, um, you know, not, I don't want them to use it as like a, hey, my dad is, <laughs> like, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but my daughter has never went to a show and not met the band. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, there's really weird shit going on yeah. because of what I do. They think that's the norm. I, I, I know that they know it's not the norm, but I don't think they want to find out what the norm is. I don't blame them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, so it's, so it's a little different, man. But Dexter asked me, a couple of weeks ago, if I was famous, 
And that was really, that was weird because I'm like, no, dude, I'm not famous. And then he was like, well, then how come that guy that you don't know his name just said hello to you? Right. And I was well, like, yeah, Donnie, why? Well, and I told him, I was like, <laughs> just because dad's on the radio, I was like, I'm known in St. Louis for being on the radio, but I'm not famous. And then, and then Mary chips in with them. Well, no, but you kind of are. Yeah. And so, you know, man, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just want them to know that because of what dad does, we've been incredibly lucky to be able to go to shows and to meet people and to do things. And then also that dad's job provides us a really rad living. You know, like um, we live in a cool house in a beautiful neighborhood that I never thought that we would be able to do. You know, I mean, and not a lot of people know this probably, but we lived in a townhouse until three years ago. You know, a small ass townhouse, man. And so I feel really good that we're here now. And I feel really proud that I've worked really hard to get us here. Yeah, you should But I don't want the kids to be jackasses and to, well, my dad is. Do you know who my dad is? <laughs> I don't want any of that stuff. Unless it's, oh, well, my dad can, my, maybe my dad could be the MC of your trivia night or whatever. Right. Which uh, I do now for, for the kids' elementary school. And that is uh, so much fun. And it's so much fun because half of the room knows me or at least knows of me. The other half has absolutely no idea Who are those so people? so last year when the when i was hey i'm donnie fandango or donnie mueller from 1057 the point you might know me as donnie fandango and then like people in the room get up and start clapping right and the other half of the room is like what who, who? are those people? yeah yeah so it's it, it's it's pretty crazy man but i um you know i i again i just feel really freaking lucky man like i have a couple of my favorite videos on my phone are from 21 pilots and imagine dragon shows and they both involve my Ava and the, the imagine dragons one. Um, I had to do it on the slide at 21 pilots as well, but she got so lost in the song and singing that she wasn't paying attention to me. And it was so amazing for, for her to know words that I didn't know that she found on her own in her own thing. And I just got to be there with her to, to, it just, it gives me chills. And then also too, you know, like, um, you know, my, my ex-wife, Benjamin's mom, she died, um, about four years ago, five years ago. And that has been just the worst. Right. And, um, to know that there were nights that Benjamin got a, a respite from whatever was going on in his head by us going to see a show is just really, you know, for two hours or an hour and a half, the kid was smiling right, and not thinking about moms or, or whatever, you know, so getting lost in music. Yeah. You know, so it's, so it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool, but I don't, I don't, it's weird for me, man. Like I know people know who I am and that's awesome. And I'm thankful because if they didn't, I wouldn't have a job, but at the same time, man, uh, I'm just Don Mueller, a floor scent. You know what I mean? I, I like the Three Stooges. Right. I get way too nerdy about music and sports. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I it's just, uh, you know, man, I just don't want to be the ego guy. I think that your kids are in such great hands with you and Mary because Mary is a social worker, yep. and that takes a lot of emotional, psychological strength. Shout out to every social worker out yeah. there. Um, and with you and your, I mean, what we do is we communicate for a living and we connect with people. And I think that having parents or a world, you know, that these kids are a part of 
where those are the strengths, it's just going to do them such wonders for well, the rest of their lives. And also, too, and this goes back to a little bit about what we're talking about on social media, is that I um, despise the old school man notion of what a man is. Mm-hmm. A man is X. A man is Y. A man is Z. A man, a man uh, no, doesn't, doesn't cry. Yeah, doesn't a, a man, a man doesn't do the dishes or any of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Yeah. Like, d- dude, I see my kids do things, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and I get choked up, and I cry, and sometimes <laughs> I get so mad, I cry. Yeah. And I think that it's okay for oh. them to see all of that. Yeah. To see that there's levels of 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 all of that. Not that I grew up in a house that seeing my dad cry was anything wrong. My dad just didn't do that. That just was not it wasn't in, the, in his... He was in a different generation. For sure. It was still very 1950s. It yeah. was, you know, men have to bring home, women have to do, raise the kids at home. It was very traditional America. Dude, I just really my, messed up. My grandpa, when I was eight, when my brother and I turned eight, stopped hugging us and started shaking our hands. Oh my gosh. When we were eight. And he's a great, he was a great man. World War II hero, the whole thing taught me a lot, a lot. But man, some of those rough edges, I just did not, I didn't want that. And, you know, man, and and also too, I've realized, you know, over the kid's life, unfortunately, and I've never talked about this, but like, I have realized the damage that seeing my temper can do. And I don't fucking like it. Yeah. And I made, you know, the resolve, I don't know, however many years ago, like, like, I'm not doing that. I'm not being that guy anymore. Now, unfortunately, some of that stuff manifests itself around here a little bit um, because (laughs) sometimes this place pisses me off. Sure. It's hard to deal with, though, when you have because I have anger issues. I have I have an explosive temper like my dad did. And so um, I totally understand what you're saying. And I've also had to try and make sure I don't bring that home or anywhere like I need to a lot of my therapy has been dealing with anger and things that go into anger and where to place that and how yeah. to deal with it because it's a fire inside for sure and and I don't want that fire I don't want part of that fire to die because part of that fire is me is you yeah it, it, it is who I am Absolutely. and so so it's just been man just again just learning and, and just trying to uh to evolve and get better. And then also, too, man, and I've never really said anything like this either, but like listening to some of those weekend rages, I cringe so hard and am so embarrassed for the things that I was complaining about or the things that I was mad at or the things that I was genuinely mad at that I was like, man, dude, I can't continue to be this guy or I'm going to, I'm either going to get my head beat in by somebody uh, or you know, I'm I'm gonna have a heart attack, man, and I don't want to do that. Do you still do that every Friday? No, 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 I haven't done it in a while. Um, you know, and if I do do it now, the tone of it is definitely changed than when I started it. Um, so that it is a very much a different outlet than uh than than when I started it. But no, man, I've I've uh I've gotten pretty far away from it, and if I never do another one again, I'll I'll be completely fine with it. And I know that there'll be some people, ah, bah, 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 bah. but like I just. I don't, I don't, I don't love listening to those, and um, I don't feel like it's a great part of my personality. Sometimes I get it, though. I I think that there's a 
um, because I've listened to those before where you do them live. And essentially, The Weekend Rage is you taking either a trivial thing or a deep thing. Yeah. And you have written out some key points of what you want to hit on it. And these are all things that really happened that did irk you. Yeah. And and, and to me, I I, I mean, I I get wherever, because I listen back to things and I cringe too. But I think that there is some validity to what many of the things I heard you uh, rage on about. Some of those things people can relate to. And so don't. I would suggest don't beat yourself up over all of them because sure. there were some definite ones that I think people like. I think you did one on people putting carts back in the right place yeah. at supermarkets. Yeah, I identify with that so greatly and appreciated the rage. Yeah, well, so and it's <laughs> but it's just you know it, like anything else, it's evolved. Like I think the last one I did was at the live show. Was at the Riz show. Oh yeah. Was at the Riz live show, and like none of that. Well, outside of getting into a face to face. What I thought was going to become a confrontation with the transportation secretary of the kids' entire school district, uh, I think most of that other stuff was pretty light. Yeah. Um, it, you know, was Don Jovi coming on TV when Mary and I were having sex or something <laughs> like that? You know, like like you know, like different sort of sort of things. But yeah. like, but you're right though, because some of that stuff I look back on and I don't regret, and I don't regret raising my voice at that guy, and I don't regret making a bit of a scene because my at the time nine year old autistic kid was allowed. To start to walk a half a mile home yeah. down a busy ass road. Not cool at all. And then when things were supposed to be a certain way, and I saw them not be that way, right. and I was lied to, oh, I just didn't go over very well. <laughs> but if there's a, a time where I guess my head will sp- still spin off the neck, it'll have to do with with things with the, you know, with the kiddos or with with Mary. Because um, that's your heart. That's your heart yeah. walking around. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and everybody gets that. Yeah. Don't ever feel bad about raging out about your heart. And like, cause that, that, that is what it's for. In my opinion, I'm the same. If, you know, if I hurt somebody I love doesn't, you know, that's, that's enough. My mom and I always say they'll put us in jail. Like, I mean, we've already told my sister yeah. she's in college. I'm like, anybody touches you inappropriately, watch out Kirksville, Missouri, because right. we coming at you, <laughs> right. you know, what well, I think too, man, like, <laughs> like with Dexter being the way that, that my Dexter is, you know, he's, he is going to start middle school next year. And I am petrified by this <laughs> petrified what by specifically it. uh just because he is very immature you know like by fifth grade my a was ready to be a middle school girl now it took the entire fifth grade year and for me to see it her at that middle sure. school to, to really get it but dexter is nowhere close to that now is that because you think isn't there like something out there that say women mature or young ladies mature faster than young men? And that is it. And that is some of it for sure. sure. Ava is definitely just more than a year and a half older than Dexter. Like, like that's just the way that they're wired. Yeah. But I am just very nervous about the bully situation and about the things that people will say to him and what he will understand and what he will not understand. And, you know, it it, it is, it, it's just a, it's a tough thing, but I, but we all go through it. It's just that with Ava and Benjamin, I knew that if Jimmy Big Mouth got too mouthy, mm-hmm. they would be able to defend themselves and at the end of the day go, go F yourself right. or whatever the heck. Yeah, yeah. They would be able to verbally defend themselves. Dexter, I don't know that he'll necessarily know all the time when he's getting made fun of. Yeah. And, uh. Unfortunately, that's just something that we're going to have to roll with. But 
The thing about that dude is that his personality is so amazing that I am hoping that that will endear him to other people to maybe lay off of him a bit. But I'll tell you, man, Dexter's personality has a lot to do with with my change in outlook on life Mm -hmm. because that kid doesn't have a bad day. And when he does have a bad day, the his genuinely his genuine response to things and why it just he just they all make me want to be better, but he specifically and how just every day is like wake up, let's go. It's all what's, here. What yeah. what what do we got in store for Wednesday or yeah. Tuesday? You know, and, and I like I just I just love that so much. And there was so much of that that was missing out of me that it was like, man, dude, I got to get back some of that. Man, it's Tuesday. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's 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 find what we can find out of that Tuesday, you know. That and so I, I think that uh, that it, that it's that it, that 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 again is something that that kind of kind of worries me a bit. But you know, man, he's a funny kid. He's so smart. He says things that I can't imagine the, the kids say. So we watch Parks and Rec and The Office around him, which maybe we shouldn't. No, that's good. And so we're getting. Uh, <laughs> he's getting, and this is a swear to God, honest to God story. Um, he's getting his 10 year old physical. We're at his doctor's office. It's me. It's Mary. It's Ava. It's everybody. It's in there everybody. <laughs> and so Dexter has to take his shirt off. He says, can you check to make sure that I don't have chlamydia? <laughs> what does this the nurse do? looks at us. The pediatrician <laughs> looks at us and goes, what? And we're like, it's a Parks and Recreation episode. We just watched it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's a health department episode, whatever. And then I'm trying to think of what else he had said. It might have been something about Did he his, know that he was making the joke, though? He, like, said it, and he knew what they He was, knew that what he was saying yeah. was not probably appropriate, but was funny. Yep. He knew that. I love he that. He does not know what chlamydia is, clearly, right. But he knew it would make somebody laugh. That it would make somebody laugh, yeah. and that's another part of him is that he knows how to say the line to get the laugh. Yeah, he knows when the laugh is supposed to be coming, and so it's just this really crazy. Like this kid has timing of like a forty-year-old comic. Like it's really remarkable, and 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 how. They all three evolve. Is I mean, I got no idea what's going to happen here. I, I I don't know, but it's going to be real interesting because there are some there are some personalities in that bunch, and we say it all the time. Like if he ended up being like a writer on a TV show or something like that, and I know we all think our kids are going to be famous and whatever, and I don't care if they are or not. Right. But like, I just feel like there might be something in that dude's head that just is. a little different th- than everybody else that makes him see it differently. Like. Even the way that they break down, like he breaks down problems when he's building something is just a way that I would have never looked at it and still don't. Yeah. And so to this day, you know, he just, he, he just, again, gives me this, this different perspective that I didn't have before. And, and also Ava, I mean, Ava, like, like having a, being a girl dad, like that's a whole thing too. Like I, I, I didn't realize how mean girls were to each other at an early age. <laughs> Holy God. It's like, as my, as my Benjamin was just like butting heads with his buddy Ferguson, yep. like 
Ava's friends and her are saying really mean, cutting things to each it's other. It's psychologically terrifying with girls. And it is because we are emotional and we're full of, when you put hormones and emotions and jealousy and everything that comes with getting older, unfortunately, you watch out. Like, girls are the worst. And I'm a, I'm a feminist, but girls are the worst. Like, we just, because you don't learn. And this also has to do with society. And, and it really, like, I always think about this. Like, I grew up, and I love my mom to death, but my mom was always like, I'm so fat, and I need to lose weight. And she was always worried, and she still is, about her physical um, appearance. My mom's gorgeous. And she um, passed that on to me and my sister. And um, and she didn't know she was doing it, but I, I it took me, like, reading an article about how how you talk around your daughters how you especially like Mary and all the females that are in Ava's life like how they um are with themselves like are they body positive are they you know lifting other women up are they cutting other women down like it's it all goes into this psychological vat for girls and they don't even realize it and then it, they have to like diffuse it when they get older and it's like too late and so that's why it's so important to like build up women and 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 make sure you know women are or girls are talked about like as equal and you know and it all sounds so I don't know, some people like flutter and get all triggered from that and like have some sort of, I don't even know, stigma around it. It's like, no, we have to like level the playing field so men and women feel equal like later on in their lives when it's important. Like, and it starts at an early age because the cutting down of each other and the jealousy and the, um, you know, the the heart, everything that's in your heart, your heart burns in different ways. Like that all starts so early in girls, more so than in girls than guys oh, because yeah. boys are like, not to like throw it out there, but just even boys would say like, we don't really care about girls until later on. And like girls, I mean, I was boy crazy from the get go and wanted a boyfriend and, you know, was in love and just all this, all the emotions were coming out. So I get it. I totally it's, get it. It's, it's just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing to see her. God bless a poor kid. <laughs> deal, deal with the, the beginning stages of acne mm. and like, um, I totally get it. Like with, um, Oh gosh, like when her hair frizzes out uh and she, like there's just so much shit that like th- I'm so, I, I don't mean to I don't I don't want to mean say so much shit because I I do, No, it's I don't funny mean to, though. To, 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 but like that I didn't realize like how important all of these things were sure. and the levels and and like I just didn't I I it's just a very much a learning experience. But you know like I I just want to you know man, I just want her to 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 know all of her worth because there's so goddamn much of it, man. Yeah. And I and pretty soon, man, she's gonna get goddamn contacts. And when she takes her goddamn glasses off, she is so freaking beautiful. And the <laughs> shit bags are gonna be freaking. They're gonna start. You're gonna have to get a gun. No, but see, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't want you to. I don't want slingshot. Probably. You know. More but, but or have or have Dexter. I don't know. Like <laughs> like start like being a physical presence, which just won't happen because that's not his personality. But you know, man, I just I I think in the last bunch of years, more so than maybe in Benjamin's early years, I just have realized um, all the realized more of of all of the the things that I put out there and how it affects everybody. And so I've just wanted to try to clean that up as best as I can. I think you're doing a really great job. Trying to, man. I, as a colleague of yours, I'm impressed with you very much. Uh, Even I'm when gonna- you see me around this building, when I've got that that. The, the thing on my head where I just absolutely like look like I want to murder somebody. I relate to that. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> I totally relate to it yeah. on so many levels.
I want to shift to probably your second love, which is music. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about that. We haven't even gone down that road yet. I know uh, that you used to work at Slackers. Yeah, yeah. When did you start to fall in love with music? Give us a nice little timeline of where, like, where did you, because I remember, like, for me, my parents listened to a lot of, like, CCR, Fleetwood Mac. Same. Okay. So it started, the genesis of it was what? Classic rock. Yes. I would say the first... First, the first song I knew all of the words to was um, The Joker from Steve Miller Band. And my dad's friend had a recording studio in the basement of his house. And at some point when I was probably six or seven, I went over there with my dad and we watched him do a session with a band. And then after the band left, I got to sing on the microphone in the studio. No. And uh, I remember standing at that microphone and looking across the glass and seeing the guy at the board. And it was just so goddamn cool. But I've always been a music head and it hit exactly. I can, I can tell you. And as a matter of fact, we just found the picture of it. It was Christmas of 1988, I got my first um, portable um, AM FM cassette radio that I could take around with me. Not a full-on boombox. It just had one speaker, the tape player, and the radio. And I got Wham! and Huey Lewis and the New Sports. (laughs) And that, I mean, from then on, it was whatever was on... Top 40 radio was big, and then whatever my mom and dad were listening to. Now, my mom listened to some religious stuff that I wasn't into, but my mom and dad both love Motown, and so I love with all every fiber of my heart the Motown stuff and then the 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 I don't want to say the typical St. Louis classic rock staples but but CCR and Journey and Sticks and my dad loves freaking Ario like their goddamn Zeppelin and and <laughs> you know like my dad you know was the first one preaching to me about how great Montrose was when oh I bought I can't drive 55 you know but like it was um it it was that and then um from there, I was, and you know, like most kids are, you know, there are some kids that do our job that say that they're really cool and are liking the Cure at Eight. That was not me. I didn't start liking cool stuff until I was probably like 14 or so, 15. And then and where once, did that come from, though? Like, where did you start going? Because I, it was always friends that got me into music. Yes. Was that it? Yeah, for you? yeah. And I think it might have been, and, and honestly, I honestly, it probably would have been Keishi, would have been me hearing a Pearl Jam song somewhere along the way, probably me going, oh man, that's really great. I know I was into to the, to the music, to the rock stuff before Pearl Jam, but once 10, once I got 10, I remember laying on my bed at my parents' house and listening to it in my mm. portable disc man going, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. Oh my God. And it was brand new. It was brand new. And I remember a couple of things. One, when Versus came out, Pearl Jam was on whatever the syndicated rock show was that Casey aired at the time. And I cannot hard drive, maybe uh, something along those I lines. I think it was like something like Rock uh, Rockline. Rockline. That's yeah. it. That's it. So I have the cassette recording of Eddie and Jeff on Rockline on Casey from when I recorded really? it in my, in my, in my bedroom. Yeah. That's so so cool. like, so that, that was a, that from, from, so from Pearl Jam, it jumped off into the alternative world. Not long after that, the point is here, and I'm like, 
Well, they might be giants. What the hell is this? I love this. Yeah. And so that is when that genesis happened. Um, like ska, as far punk, as and... Alternative yeah. of all shapes and sizes. And then the next big thing for me was actually even after I had been in radio once. And that was when I had started working with the people at Slackers. Um, I went there. Uh, I, I had quit the point. Uh, because I'd had it truthfully, uh, and I never said I've never said this on the air that I had a nervous breakdown after I got divorced, and so I quit. Give me a year. Not, hang on with that. Two thousand one. So you started at the point in nineteen ninety seven, and then so two thousand and one you left. Uh, late two thousand and one, I left, and okay. then I think I came back around two thousand and nine, two thousand. Oh, I don't think so. Because I came, I was here in 08. You would okay, have been. Okay, so in 06, 07 when okay. I was back. All right. Um, nervous, hang on, I, I didn't want to just gloss over nervous breakdown, but I was yeah, trying yeah. to chronicalize this for people's reference. Like, okay, so do you want to talk about the nervous uh, Well, it wasn't, uh, well, it was, I don't think that there's a whole heck of a lot to talk about. Okay. Uh, I went through a divorce. It was a really horrible, bad divorce. The person that I was married to did what I just could not believe she would do to me and it just absolutely tore you apart wrecked me gotcha i i completely lost touch with reality um uh my grandparents in puxico missouri and my parents here were just absolute godsends and also benjamin benjamin as a as a little two-year-old just doing his benjamin thing man just made me want to get better but i just could not deal with all of the things that were going on so i quit and what did you do then uh, well, uh, I did the smart thing and quit without having a job. Great. So <laughs> I went from moving out of my ex-wife's apartment or our apartment that we shared uh, in Maryland Heights to moving back in with my parents, which absolutely flipping sucked, uh, even though they're amazing. It just was not Nobody awesome to be to back back in there. Right. But uh, I, I got a job um, after three months of not working. I got a job working at Slackers and I met all of these people and all of these people were different. And all of these people had a favorite band that I had never heard of. Who is Death Cab for Cutie? Who is Alkaline Trio? Mm -hmm. What is Eagles of Death Metal? (laughs) What is Riddle of Steel? I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And I'm working and I'm listening to what these guys are picking. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but this is freaking great. And they're looking at me like I'm the music guy. And they know 10 times as much as I do. (laughs) And so I just go, so these people just through their passion, turned me on to all of these amazing bands. And and honestly, the music fan I am now is is because of that crew. Because they were just so, they were so amazing at, oh, you like this? Oh, shit. Well, then you got to hear this, this, yes. and this. And so, like, it was just, um, it was a really amazing time. And then also, at that time, it was me re-finding Don Mueller refinding my person. Yeah. And so it was just great music. The 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 you know it was coming up from the depression and all yep. that crap. Great human. And so it was just a real like a really great time and and uh you know man I got to do I got to order music at an independent record store for a couple years. That was so much That's fun. That's such a cool job. Oh man. Working at any sort of music store like I I wanted nothing more than when I moved to St. Louis to work at Streetside Records on Watson Road. All right. I wanted that's where I saw myself and then when it turned into like an auto detail shop, I my heart died. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> but it's 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 dude it's so important and and like so when I was growing up um and I want to shout him out Rob Wagner. 
Okay. Um, who was in the local band Ultraman and Bent. Uh, he now works over at uh, at Euclid Records and handles, I think, all their online stuff. He worked at Sound Revolution on Lindbergh and Hazelwood. And when I started going in there buying alternative things, he was like, hey, man, have you ever heard of Helmet? And I was like, Helmet? What? Well, and then I bought Betty that day. Mm-hmm. And so, like, every time I would come in, I'd be like, hey, man. <laughs> What's new? Yeah. And I know that he was annoyed by me, and I know that he thought I was a nerd, but I didn't care but you because were. every it's time awesome. that I, but every time I left there, <laughs> I left there with something cooler than the time before. And so, um, so you know, man, I just had these amazing people that have popped in and out, you know, th- that that just show me that they'll just show me things. And then also, too, getting older, you know, I don't outside of new country, which I just find to be offensively horrible. Um, I, I try not to shout out to our <laughs> right, sister dude, station. Dude, Tell me dude, why. Dude, I just outside of Chris Stapleton, I don't understand anything on that station. I get it. Um, but, but like, I try not to crap on pop music like I would have done in my early twenties. Oh, for sure. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I find no reason not to incorporate that in your, in your music. Um, Repertoire. Uh, Absolutely so. And so um, it was just really cool. I wish that I could raise my kids and make enough money to, to work or own a record store because I uh, I just loved it. And I and I I love those conversations, man. Mm-hmm. I love even if I'm not in it, I'm just hearing other guys talk oh, about something. I just love hottest. it. You know, I, I love that Euclid Records has two rooms mm-hmm. that you can go upstairs to, for this and you can go downstairs for that. You know, like I loved... <laughs> When the, one of the best cities that I ever went to for record stores was was Madison, Wisconsin. Really? And it was like, and I'm sure it's probably not like that anymore, but this is a long time ago. <laughs> but there was like an upstairs, there was this little upstairs room that was just punk rock 45s. So cool. You know, and, and that's how this business operated, just selling <laughs> punk rock 45s. That is amazing <laughs> to me. And so, um, so, you know, man, I just, I, I've just been very fortunate and hope that through my job, and through what I do, through New Music Sunday, through me just being passionate about X, Y, or Z, that if I retweet, oh my God, I love this, that somebody can find something, man, that 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 gets them going. Because yeah. that's just, that's honestly just what I want to do. That I, I And I don't get to do it as much anymore as I used to because radio is different than it was. But, you know, my New Music Sunday program and, and what I get to put into that and what I get to listen to, man, it... Uh, it really keeps my fire fueled because there's just so many great bands out there, man. God, we're already sitting at an hour in this interview. I bet, man. I'm sorry. No, I get no, no, chatty, no. man. This is this is what's upsetting me because, like, honestly, like, I, I think that through this, just this last hour, I think that there's so many layers to you. You're a freaking onion. And um, I, I just, you know, like, we might have to do a part two. Okay. Because I, I want, I mean, we could probably sit here and talk for five hours straight through I mean, we've only just hit the, I, I think, the tip of the iceberg with music. And I mean, there's so much more to this radio job, the interviews that you've done. And I don't want to just gloss over that because I think that that is going to take a lot of time because I think that there's a process to interviewing artists, sure. stories that you've had yeah. and everything. Well, um, I'll do number two whenever you want. That sounded terrible. I will do part <laughs> two of this interview whenever whenever you want. We're in the, we're in the same building. I mean, I think uh, I, it's just, it, it's crazy to talk about this, man. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's also it's very so fun. But then also when we're just starting to talk about the music, which is where I really get fired up, yeah. you know, like, like, cause I, I, 
I love talking about bands. I, I love the conversation. I love how everybody knows a little bit different than the other person and somebody cares about something more than the other and i I just find it to be so um, it's the infinite conversation it is it it, it, it can never that's the great part about it man is that like i could go to euclid records today and spend five thousand dollars and buy a bunch of stuff and then two weeks later i could go back and probably do the same damn thing again and always be finding something old, new, and that to me is is just the best part of it. And that's one of the things I that frustrates me about other programmers because I get from 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 record companies I get, "Man, Donnie, it's so good that there's still passionate music guys in the format." Well, what the fuck are we doing if right. there's not passionate guys in the format? Exactly. You know like wh- wh- why? Like yeah. what are you doing this for? Yeah, yeah. Then program something you don't then me program country yeah. because I don't care about right. it. I'll just do the machine whatever. Exactly. <laughs> you know so so I just really uh, I, I do. I, I take it very personally, and so even you know, even even now, I can be a prickly pear when you're talking about records on the point. So, but yeah, you tell me if you want to do a part two. I'm all for it, sister. We're gonna have to do a part two where it's just experiences in radio, music, uh, interviews, stories, because I, I think that is an episode in itself, which yeah. could be really cool. I even think about it now, man, because I've got, I've got a great Eminem story. I got a couple of Manson ones. I mean, like, I, let me tell one, just one quick yeah, one. Yeah, I want to hear it. All right, yeah, one yeah. more. So, the very, so I've interviewed Marilyn Manson in person three different times now. So cool. He's freaking awesome. I love him. He's an amazing, he knows what he is doing when he sits in that chair for me and you mm-hmm. to talk. He's he, ready. He knows. Yeah. Everything he says is calculated. Everything. I love right? that. So I am invited by our Interscope rep at the time to go to the Fox Theater to interview Marilyn Manson in his dressing room. Oh, all right. So time comes. I'm 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 there with my old dat machine. If you remember a dat <laughs> player, I've got the dat in there that's brand new. I unwrapped that son of a bitch to know that there wasn't going to be anything on it. Right. I am first one in that room. What does he look like? Can you kind of paint the picture? Okay. Oh, first I walk into this like it looked like a wardrobe room at the Fox where all the, the walls are carpeted and there are these costumes just everywhere. All right. And they're in a chair is Marilyn Manson staring right at me. And there, in another chair, sitting next to Manson, is Twiggy Ramirez, who is nodding off. Legitimately, 100% nodding off. Was he supposed to be in the interview as well? No. Okay. No. So, me, Marilyn, Twiggy. Is Twiggy nodding off from drugs? Is he tired? We have no idea. I think we can have that conversation. (laughs) So, I sit there. 10 minutes, I get my 10 minutes with Manson, he's funny, he's sarcastic, he makes fun of me, but we have a really great chat. Yeah. I absolutely bust ass to get from the Fox back to the old station uh, to get that interview on the air that night of the show. Oh, wow. All right? Get back to the station. I'm I'm shaking. I cannot wait to hear this thing. (laughs) I put it in. I press play. And it is me doing the microphone test with him before the interview. All of the interview, I pressed pause and kept it on pause. So I had to go back to my label guy. I had just been named music director of the point and go, hey, uh, that interview uh, uh, didn't happen. But I made up. 
We had two more. They've both been great, and we'll talk about it when we do part two. You are a man of many layers. Donnie, thank you so much for talking to me. It, and honestly, I this this was probably one of the easiest uh, sit-downs with a person I work with but also a friend because it's just like um, I learned some new things about you that I didn't know, and I think that you are such a – um, you're somebody who is very in tune with yourself. You know that you're a work in progress, which a lot of people in this business would never admit. And I just think that you are destined to be in this business until you are like 70, 80 years old. I hope so, man, because I can't do anything else. <laughs> That's I don't, I don't, I don't have any discernible other talents. <laughs> so I got to ride this wave as long as I can. But hey, man, you know, when I talk about the, the handful of people in this business that I respect, that I know treat people the way that they want to be treated. You're in that group, man. Thanks. You're my friggin' homie. And that is, that is no lie. So whatever you need from me, you want to do a part two I or do. a part 12, it's done. Thanks, Donnie. You're welcome. See what I mean? It was literally the tip of the iceberg of Donnie Fandango. There's so much more to that guy. I want to talk all about his career, his highlights, his lowlights, the people he loved, people he hated, bands that he broke, bands that he never wants to hear again. There's so many music things and radio things to talk about with Donnie, but it was really cool to get in touch with the human that is Donnie Mueller, and I am just so thankful to call him a friend and a colleague, and I and I genuinely meant what I said there at the end, where I feel like Donnie is a lifer in radio, or at least deserves to be, much like our friend John Hewlett, who has been a lifer in radio. There's just people that have a certain essence to them and Donnie has it and it's special. So love your Donnie Fandango, damn it. Listen to him middays on 105.7 The Point, afternoon drive on 106.5 The Arch. Follow him on Twitter, but don't hate him on Twitter at Fandango 105.7. Donnie, thank you if you listen to this, which I don't know if you're like that and you do, but I genuinely appreciate you so much as a friend and I just love you and your whole family so much. All right. I'll be back with you on the 6th of September. That's when the next episode breaks. It is a female. So hold on to your butts and I will hopefully connect with you uh, in the meantime on Twitter at Learn Versus Radio. Please rate, review, share this podcast, but you don't have to because honestly, you're probably working your ass off as it is. But this is like the lowest totem priority. Anyway, stay well, okay? Take care of each other. Don't be a jerk. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.